Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Good morning, everybody. It's Monday, January 29th, 526 a.m. Central Time. Grain markets are lower to start a new week. Not the best look here on Monday morning. Let's start off with everybody's favorite uh, topic, which is politics. It's actually policy, but whatever. Trade tensions could increase if Donald Trump is reelected. Many Americans are considering voting for Trump in the upcoming election due to his strong economic performance during his first term. While he was in office, Trump was able to pass a sweeping tax overhaul that benefited the economy. The second time around, however, there is not a tax plan waiting to be passed. Rather, Trump intends to expand the trade war that he initiated during his first term. If reelected, Trump has suggested imposing a 10% tariff on all imports, a move that is expected to be met with retaliation. News outlets reported over the weekend that Trump has privately discussed federal tariffs on Chinese imports of, of 40% or more. Okay, guys, we have uh, no interest at all in endorsing any political candidate, but this policy stuff as it relates to tariffs specifically, if realized, it's absolutely a market moving deal. So therefore we have to cover it. If you have political hot takes, drop them in the YouTube section. We have no interest in really discussing any of that stuff, but this is important. So go to Vegas today and uh, make a bet on who's going to be president uh, a year from now. Trump is the odds on favorite, right? So if you're a trader and you're trading soybeans or corn and you see this headline, and this is from the Washington Post, but this circulated in a bunch of the news outlets over the weekend that behind closed doors, Trump is talking about these massive tariffs on Chinese imports. Um, does this make you want to like own soybeans or does it make you want to more like liquidate your soybean position or, or maybe add to your net short in the soybean market? So um, this is a, a very real situation and I don't care who you guys are going to vote for. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just telling you what's out there in terms of news. And this is absolutely market, market moving type stuff. Uh, China, I believe, I believe the way it works is that they actually still have tariffs on U.S. soybeans in place, but that they're, they're waived in almost every situation. The Chinese government just allows waivers because the trade war has kind of like gone away, I guess. But basically from, from what we can tell right now, from what we can gather, uh, if Trump gets elected, First day in office, we've got a new trade war. And is that something that is impacting the market today? I'm not going to say it's not. I'm not going to say it's not, especially after seeing some of these headlines over the weekend, talking 40, 50, 60% tariffs. Um, again, direct your political hot takes to the comments section. But that's that's the news, guys. Uh, take it or leave it. Fund traders continue to to hold a historically large net short position across the grain complex. CFTC released weekly commitment of traders data on Friday. During the week ending January 23rd, the funds were net sellers of 34,000 contracts of corn. The net short of 275,000 contracts is the largest since mid-2020. Funds were net sellers of 18,000 contracts of soybeans. The net short of 96,000 contracts is the largest since early 2020. Funds were net buyers of 7,000 contracts of SRW wheat on the week. These are some pretty big net short positions. That one in soybeans is something you don't see very often. Same thing with corn. I updated this chart. So managed net, this is the, the net position of the fund trader across three contracts, corn, soybeans, and SRW wheat. Net short 442,000 contracts as of last Tuesday. That's something you've only seen two other times in the last 10 years. You saw it in 2019 
and you saw it in 2018. So we went from a situation where like just what, two years ago, funds were historically net long. It was the exact opposite. Now they are uh, very heavily short from a historical standpoint, which is uh, part of the reason the markets are down. The other reason is that we had big crops in the US and uh, the demand base leaves something to be desired, but uh, not a good look here. So if you guys have not checked out our premium content, you need to do so. Joe, can you tell me about some of the videos you put together last week? Uh, I was gone last week. I was at the Eggview Solutions meeting in Phoenix. I think I talked to every single person that was there. So for those of you guys that I met, uh, it was nice to meet you. It's a good meeting. Uh, Paul was on on Friday. Uh, crop insurance, uh, ARC or PLC, uh, all your crop insurance questions were answered. Shay was on on Thursday. Transition planning, where should you start? This is a super hot topic, of course, in ag right now. A lot of transition planning going on. Where are the best places to start? What are uh, best practices. Shay and Chris do a, a ton of work on this front. And then one of the more popular videos I did that was out last week, which was also included in this morning's email, unpriced 2023 corn and soybean bushels. What should you do? Guys, if you want to see the premium stuff, go to standardgrain.com. You can sign up this morning. This is a $50 per month subscription. You can cancel at any time. No other fee, no other obligation. Nobody will try to sell you anything else. Um, sign up this morning. I'll forward you a copy of this morning's email, which includes our six most recent premium videos. Uh, check that deal out, guys. It's the best way to support what we're doing here. Uh, YouTube doesn't pay us much. The podcast pays us nothing. Uh, premium subs float the boat for us. So uh, check that deal out. Brazil's soybean harvest is progressing. Brazilian farmers have harvested 9% of this year's soybean crop, according to Safras and Mercado. At this time last year, 4.4% of the crop had been harvested. Safras is estimating this season's soybean crop at 151.4 million tons. The Brazilian weather forecast appears to be mostly favorable. Argentina is slated to return to a wetter pattern later this week. The Brazil forecast looks pretty wet. It's generally wet for the next couple of weeks. Argentina is interesting, and I think we've seen a little bit of a shift here. So uh, it was looking dry last week, and then they started to throw some rain in late last week. So the way it's, it's set up for Argentina is like this. The next four or five days, you're talking pretty much dry. And then toward like the back half of this 10-day period is when these rains return. And if you look at the extended GFS, which goes out to Valentine's Day, um, which is hard, we, we know anything past eight days is really not reliable at all. But uh, the GFS long-term is advertising return to, to a wetter pattern. So this may be, uh, this could be the reason why the markets are down this morning. Maybe it has nothing to do with the, with the tariff talk. I don't know. We never know for sure why the markets are doing what they're doing, but it looks like that we're reverting to a, a wetter pattern after a short-lived dry spell in Argentina. More grain ships are avoiding the Red Sea. Last week, due to the ongoing Houthi attacks, another 16 vessels transporting grain were diverted from the Red Sea and instead sailed around the Cape of Good Hope. Since the beginning of January, 3.9 million tons of grain have been diverted from the Red Sea. Before the attacks began, about 7 million tons of grain passed through the Suez Canal and into the Red Sea each month. According to a source familiar with the situation, many of the ships being diverted are carrying U.S. grain. It's projected that 2.4 million tons of grain will transit the Suez Canal this month, down from 6.6 .6 million tons last month and 6.4 million tons in January of last year. Logistics issues remain very much problematic. The Panama Canal is at reduced capacity. I think the Suez Canal is at like half capacity. Uh, this is bad for a lot of reasons. So it makes U.S. grain less competitive on the export market. And also it's generally speaking inflationary in nature. If you can't move crude oil, you can't move uh, grain ships, does that ultimately mean that it could return to like an inflationary 
uh, type deal. Yeah, it could. And that's, you know, supply chain, logistics, shipping, all that stuff. That was a big reason for the inflation we saw post-COVID. And I don't think this is necessarily as bad as that. We're not shutting the whole world down for a month like we did back then, but it's uh, um, kind of along similar lines, I guess. USDA reported a flash sale of soybean cake and meal on Friday. U.S. exporters sold 100,000 metric tons of soybean cake and meal to unknown destinations for delivery during the current marketing year. This is the first USDA flash sale of soybean cake and meal since December 4th. Uh, we'll take it. It's not a huge amount. Um, we are eventually going to run into a situation where we begin to export a lot more soybean meal because of the increased crush capacity. Eventually, on the domestic front, I think we're going to have more meal than we know what to do with. So that'll, that's something you're going to see over the next couple of years. During December, the Personal Consumption Expenditures Price Index increased by 0.2% on a monthly basis and 2.9% year over year. Economists were expecting increases of 0.2% and 3%. Data also showed that consumer spending increased by 0.7% during December, higher than the projected 0.5%. However, it does appear that consumers aren't saving as much. Personal savings fell to 3.7% last month, down from 4.1% in November. The markets are projecting a 53% chance that the Fed will begin cutting rates in March. There is a January Fed meeting and nothing is expected there, but the Fed, the, the March meeting is the one where you're now kind of like 50-50 on whether or not they cut. This is the Fed's preferred gauge of inflation, still a little bit hotter than they'd like it to be, but it's moving in the right direction. I kind of find it funny that they they consider this to be their gauge because it excludes volatile food and energy categories. Okay, so gas prices do move around, but the way that it's worked in, in this cycle at least, like all of our commodity prices have, have gone down, uh, grain commodities at least, but prices at the grocery store have absolutely not. So I wouldn't, I don't know that I necessarily say that food items are like volatile. It just kind of appears like they went up and now they're just up and they're probably going to stay there forever. Uh, what did cattle do last week? Uh, they had a pretty darn good week. Feeder cattle futures closed an average of a buck 62 higher on Friday. Uh, as of Friday, week over week, feeders were up an average of $7.64. Live cattle futures closed an average of 94 cents higher on Friday. On the week, live cattle uh, were up an average of $3.70. Cash cattle trade was stronger last week. In the north, we saw cattle trade between 175 to 177 That was 2 to $4.00 higher than the previous week in the south cattle sold between 174 to 175 that was one to two dollars higher box beef also had a positive week choice box beef closed friday at 300 dollars 53 that was up 503 for the week select box beef closed friday at 289.13 that was up six dollars and eight cents for the week outside markets to begin uh, monday morning here guys pretty quiet u.s dollars up a little bit stocks are mixed bonds are up almost a full handle crude oil is up 27 cents in the march wti at 78 27. Crude has been stronger. Everybody have a great day today. Uh, we'll talk to you on Tuesday.